Don't let diaper rash come between you and your baby. Diaper rash can be one of the worst experiences your little one has to go through. Keeping their delicate skin healthy and happy shouldn't require a spatula to apply thick and goopy treatments that can be just as irritating and uncomfortable. When my oldest was little, she would get the worst diaper rash. It left me feeling so desperate to help her while also wanting something gentle on her skin. Dr. Mom Butt Balm is a pediatrician-approved skin protectant free of dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide. It was developed by a mom who is also a doctor. When she couldn't find any traditional products that worked for her baby's persistent diaper rash, she let nothing get in her way. You can use just a small amount of Dr. Mom Butt Balm to help soothe your baby's skin and feel confident that you are making the right choice. Dr. Mom is committed to providing an ultra-premium formula for moms that won't settle when it comes to their little ones. Soothe and restore with active ingredients being dimethicone and petrolatum. You can find more about Dr. Mom Butt Balm at drmombuttbalm.com or find it on Amazon or Walmart.com. Happy Wednesday. You are listening to the VBAC Link Podcast, and this is episode number 69. It's a special close one to our hearts, especially Julie, because this is one of Julie's clients. Her name is Shannon, and she is a VBAC mama after three cesareans. They met at a local ICANN meetup, and if anybody doesn't know what ICANN is, that's International Cesarean Awareness Network, and they have groups all around, so check out your local ICANN if you haven't already. But they met at an ice cream meetup, and they just pretty much, it was fate. It was fate. They fell into each other's laps. And they have an amazing story. Shannon's story is inspiring, uplifting, empowering. I mean, you name it, all the words. So before we get into her story, though, Julie does have a review of the week. But you guys hang on here because you're going to love this story. I'm going to have to try really, really hard not to tell the story for Shannon um, in this one because I've posted on social media about it. I've posted on our Facebook page about her. Her picture's been shared, and she's just an amazing inspiration of exactly how to take control of your birth and how to make your own decisions. But I'm just going to get to the review of the week, so I just don't tell the story for her. So this review comes all the way from Perth, Australia, which is so exciting to me. And it is from Lorraine Haley on Apple Podcasts. And she says, hello from Perth, Australia. I have recently discovered this podcast and I cannot get enough. I feel like a whole new world has been opened to me and every episode I listen to just resonates so much with me. I am a mom of one, my 14-month-old son who was born via emergency cesarean under general anesthetic. My husband and I are planning for another baby and instead of being naive, feeling scared, and placing all my trust in my obstetrician, I feel so empowered and excited about all things VBAC. Thank you, Julie and Megan, from the bottom of my heart for creating this community. And I love that. We were actually just talking about how important it is to to gain that confidence and gain that hope and be able to like stand up for your decisions and your birth choices while you're 
working on that feedback and while you're working towards it. But if you didn't already know, we love reviews. We love them. We love them. We love them. And if you wouldn't mind leaving us a review, if you haven't already, go ahead and give this episode a pause and you can leave us a review on Google or Facebook or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to fo- um, wherever you listen to podcasts. I almost said podcasts, <laughs> like Facebook and podcasts mixed together. <laughs> podcast. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Wherever you listen to podcasts, go ahead and give us a shout out because knowing that these podcasts are helping you along your journey really warms our hearts and brightens our day. But after our little break, we are going to get right to Shannon's exciting story. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. All right, you guys, Shannon, we're going to turn the time over to you to tell this amazing story. Okay. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be on. I'm, I'm so excited. Too, but <laughs> <laughs> I am excited to share my story because I've been trying for a VBAC for including this one I just had, the last three births, and I finally got it on the last one. And so I've been through a lot of you know, trial and error, I guess you could say, yes. in trying to figure this out. So I thought it would be good to give a little bit of the backstory on why I had C-sections the first three times, because that kind of, you know, works into the story of, of how I finally got my V back. So my first baby was breech, and I ended up getting preeclampsia. And what I didn't know then is that that doesn't necessarily mean an automatic C-section, but for for my doctor, it kind of did. And so, but now I know that some doctors are willing to deliver breech babies, and with preeclampsia, you can get induced. So it's not an automatic C-section, but for me, that was the only option given to me. Mm. And so I did that. And then my second and third babies, I really feel like I got gypped. Mm, (laughs) Um, I was told that they were too big to birth, and I Mm. did not even get a chance to try. And the second one, they told me his head was going to be too big, and there was no way he was coming out. And that's the one I really feel like they they just really should have given me a chance. Mm -hmm. And the third one, they did a late, uh, how do you say it? Like a, it was like at week 38 or 39, I had a growth ultrasound done. Mm-hmm. And again, what I didn't realize then, what I know now, is that those are not very reliable to measure size of baby. Mm-hmm. But they had me do that, and they said that he was going to be huge, like over 10 pounds, and that his torso was way too big, and he would get stuck. And basically they said, you know, we could get him out, but it's very likely that his arm would be disabled for the rest of his life. So Mm. those are my choices, either C-section or you disable your baby. Oh, my gosh. And so, and with that one, I had really 
done so much research. I really tried to find, you know, a VBAC supportive doctor. I went to a class that was specifically for women trying to do VBACs, uh, which you guys have something like that, right? Yes, mm-hmm. we do. We do online <laughs> and in Utah. But your class was, yes. a, was years ago from um, Tishra. It was the same class that Tishra oh. from episode 14, I think it was. Oh, same class yeah. that she took cool. um, in, in Washington. Yes. Cool. In Seattle, yes. And it was so awesome. I loved it. I loved being around the other women there. But in the, so in the end, so I really felt more prepared, right? And then in the end, I got this news, and I was completely devastated. And with both of those babies, they ended up weighing way less than what they had estimated. And so it kind of made me mad after the fact, like, well, maybe I could have got the, these babies out. How much did they weigh? So, they were like what, um, almost nine pounds. Almost nine. So they yeah. were big, but they weren't they, like yeah, but they were not they like were, giant. They were just <laughs> a little bigger. So the second one was eight thirteen. The third baby was eight fifteen. So yeah, big, but not so like, reasonable to you've birth. Never vaginally. heard of people birthing that size before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, and then, and I do want to point out, you know, my first two babies were born in Portland, Oregon. And the third baby was born in Seattle, Washington. And then this last one where he got the V-back was here in Utah. And I was shocked that I found way more support here in Utah than I did in the Northwest. Because the Northwest is known for being supportive of alternative medicine and, you know, kind of like hippie <laughs> culture. Yeah. And so more I just thought it would be easy to find support up there. So it just, it, I guess it doesn't really matter where you live. You just have to keep searching for the support network in your area. <laughs> Anyways, okay, so, okay, that's right. So my third baby, I ended up having major complications afterwards. And I had, like, infections and allergic reactions. Breastfeeding was all wrong. The milk dried up. I ended up getting my gallbladder out. Just all kinds of crazy Aww. stuff. Oh, and then we moved. <laughs> And then we moved from Seattle to Utah in the middle of it, like at when the baby was two months old. Mm. And I was like a gigantic mess. And I finally went to a doctor here to talk to them about that I wasn't like coping well or, or recovering well. And she actually said that I had PTSD from my last delivery. Mm. And I felt a little bit embarrassed that she was using that term on me because I hadn't like gone to war. I had, you know, nobody died. It wasn't anything truly tragic, but then there I was like filled to the brim with anxiety about getting pregnant again. And I was having like nightmares about it even. And so I knew I wanted another baby, but I couldn't like emotionally get past that to get pregnant again. So then I was starting to do research like crazy when I was thinking about getting pregnant. And that's how I came across the ICANN group in Utah. For the first time ever, I found a group of women that were willing to, like, go there with me and willing mm-hmm. to entertain the idea of a VBAC after three C-sections without, like, you know, laughing at me or telling me what a dumb choice that is, you know. <laughs> and, you know, they were willing to share information, and they just really were supportive. So then I finally decided to, to get pregnant, and then I met up with another mom within the ICANN group, who was in the same shoes as me, and we kind of compared notes. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And I think she's the one that introduced me to you guys, to the VBAC link. And then, you know, my eyes and mind were open even more because you guys Yay. have so much great information. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. You're yes. welcome. <laughs> and then I ended up setting up that meeting at the Froyo place that you guys were talking about that Julie came to. And I mean, it was so funny. We There was a group of us there just talking about all the things birth-related, and we were not being quiet at all. I know. We're talking about, like, so vaginas and like, cesareans and froyo. <laughs> yeah, and so there was, like, you know, high school kids there with a dang and families there with their kids, and we are just, like, throwing out Bruce. Unapologetically. Well, like, <laughs> <laughs> I so needed that. I needed to talk to other women that really really understood what I was trying to do and yeah I like latched on to Julie like crazy I was like picking her brain and so I decided to hire her to be my doula and it was the best decision ever I truly don't think this would have happened without Julie and um and having a doula oh and I meant to say that earlier in Seattle with that third birth but I did have a doula for that but she was not like she had been to one VBAC birth before, but she wasn't uh, as experienced with mm. VBACs. And it's been like night and day difference between the two doulas. So, uh, you know, I should have vetted her a little bit more. And I think it helps to find somebody that has experience with what your situation is. Mm-hmm. So anyway, so then um, through the two groups, the uh, with your group and the other group, I found recommendations for doctors. I found a doctor close to me that was, was like supposedly VBAC friendly. <laughs> so I <laughs> we well, I we just giggle him. a little because we all know who the doctor is, but we're not going to say his name. But we just <laughs> we're not going to say know. his name. And I I do like him. He's a great guy, and he has helped people do VBACs. But yeah, when I has. went to him, the first appointment, you know, I said I'm trying to do. A VBAC after three C-sections, you came recommended to me. And he kind of looked at the floor with a heavy sigh. And it was almost like he was saying in his mind, like, why do these people keep coming to me? Uh, oh, my God. <laughs> Are you serious? That makes me so but sad. he didn't say no. And yeah. so I took that to be a yes. Because, you know, right. after three C-sections, who's going to even give you a chance? Right. Yeah. So I just ran with it. I just pretended I didn't see that and <laughs> just kept going. So then around the 20-week mark and, you know, when you do your big ultrasound, mm-hmm. they measured my scar on the uterus and he came in and told me that it was 0.3 centimeters too thin <laughs> and that he not seen, didn't look positive for the VBAC. But he still wasn't saying no, but I had been in this, you know, not, not measuring the scar, but I'd been in this place twice before where it's like the doctor is finding a reason, you know, mm-hmm. like looking for something that's wrong. So I actually, I went back to the groups on Facebook and I was like, oh my gosh, 0.3 centimeters is such a small measurement, like, and now I might not get my feedback. And somebody on there, I I really need to go back and look who it was that recommended that I reach out to this new doctor. I can't remember who it was. But somebody on there recommended that I go see Dr. Silver at University of Utah. And I'm so grateful for that suggestion. I ended up 
going to see him and I ended up switching care to him. And he, you know, they redid the ultrasound, remeasured, had lots of people look at it. They felt like the scar looked fine and there was no concern there. And so, and he was much more positive with me about the possibility of doing the VBAC. And, you know, he didn't shy away from sharing the statistics and all the risks and all the stuff that you need to know. Mm-hmm. But he is somebody that has a lot of experience doing VBACs after multiple C-sections. Mm-hmm. And so I tend to be like high strung and panicked about everything. And so <laughs> he would come in and calm me down and, and you know, just, it kind of acts like, why are you even worried about that? Like, that's not even something to worry about. Mm-hmm. He, he called me his favorite crazy lady. I was just going to say that. He's a, he's like, I like to think I'm the crazy lady. It was almost endearing. <laughs> Your favorite I like to think lady. I'm the only one he would call that, but I don't know that I am. But. <laughs> well, that gives you a little taste of how I was feeling and how he was feeling. <laughs> but I really did have a ton of anxiety going into this delivery because, you know, I tried to do it twice before. I mean, I don't even need to explain. It's, you know, I'll be back after three C-sections. There's going to be anxiety. Yeah, of course. And so, but I was, I got on track. I was with the new doctor with the right hospital. And then Julie really worked with me a lot on my fears and everything. And I called her and texted her all the time with crazy questions. Creepy <laughs> questions? She said crazy. Oh, crazy. I thought you said creepy questions. I was like, what's a creepy question? (laughs) No, it was great. I love it. I love that kind of client relationship where we just talk about it. You always had an answer for me, and that was awesome, too. (laughs) And then we did the fear release session, Mm -hmm. which was, was so awesome. And, you know, it sounds a little out there, like hippy dippy, but what we did was, I wrote down all of my fears with going into the birth and then we went through each one and you helped me address each one specifically and which ones could I take action items on to, you know, work through the fears. (laughs) Yeah. Then we went to the fire pit in the backyard and I burned each one individually and it was, it was very cathartic to just like release it, just be like, I am done with this. So hey, know, there is the science behind that. Like that creates a dopamine response in your brain that actually helps your brain heal and resolve that fear. It is science. <laughs> I love it doing has that. To be, yeah. It totally works. Yeah. And <laughs> um, you know, so I still have the thoughts rolling around in my head, but it wasn't like the focus. It wasn't like the forefront of everything that I was thinking about like it was before. So I was able to just kind of let it go. And then, so then I also was going to the chiropractor like one to two times a week. And that really helped, I think, as well. It helped me not have as many issues physically, like with my sciatica. And I think it helped me get ready for birth. And then, so I'm like mentally getting ready I'm physically getting ready and then there was a spiritual aspect to it as well which you know I talked to you about I'm not sure how much (laughs) I want to share on a podcast but it was helpful and healing for me and so I had some like spiritual energy work done 
and which also, again, sounds a little out there, but it really was what I needed. And through that process, I was able to get like a little confirmation in my heart that I had like angels surrounding me, helping me bring this baby into yeah. the world. That was and huge. That was, I, that was a huge <laughs> moment. I tell everyone, really, like, I would, I used to not be a crier, but then since I met you, I just sob at everything now. <laughs> I do. You kept telling me I'm not a crier. I swear I'm not a crier, but I swear every time we would get together, she would cry. Yeah. <laughs> She's been saying that for the bat last year, and I'd say I beg to differ. And now I'm just like, I'm just a wall baby like the rest of you. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. You have to release the emotion, you know? I'm releasing it, man. (laughs) So I had this really cool experience, and, you know, and I felt like some of the angels surrounding me were my ancestors, like specifically my grandma and grandpa. So it was just kind of a cool thought to that kind of gave me strength as I was going into the process that I – we are me and the baby are being watched over and they are going to help us. Okay. So I did all this work, like, you know, mentally, spiritually, physically. And then towards the end of the pregnancy, they, everybody starts saying, Oh, it's going to be a big baby. And you know, it's like, okay, I've here been we here go before. Again. Yeah. <laughs> here we go again. And I had already decided if it is a big baby, I am still going to try for the back. I'm not going to let that be a reason this time. So I went in for my next appointment, which was my 40-week appointment. And I thought for sure that the doctor would set an induction date, which I also want to point out, not every doctor willing to do VBACs is willing to induce. Yep. So I was lucky that my doctor was willing to do that. But so I go in and I'm, I'm, I'm sure he's going to, set the induction date, but it was a really weird appointment and it was like rushed and I, they didn't say anything about that. They just acted like it was any other appointment and said, okay, we'll see you next week unless you go into labor. And I was like, what? Okay, (laughs) great. (laughs) Then the next week comes and I swear I was doing all the things that you're supposed to do to get ready to make the baby come. I was walking, you know, doing... I went and had, you know, eggplant. That was <laughs> something someone suggested. You know, just all the things. And so I go to the 41-week appointment, and they checked me, and I was at a zero. Oh, and I, I wasn't even, like, a tiny bit dilated. And I just felt so defeated. And I know for that reason a lot of people decline being checked, but I was <laughs> weeks I needed to know what was going on Mm -hmm. and so the and that appointment did not go well and I know Dr. Silver is very supportive of VBACs but he came in and he was like because you're so far past your due date so at that point I'm I was nine days past my due date and because my body wasn't showing any signs of being ready and because I'm probably having a big baby he said that my VBAC success rate went down to like 10 to 15% and that he recommended a repeat C-section. And I I like broke right there. Mm -hmm. My husband is there with me and I just started crying. And I should back up because 
I don't know if I said this part, that they had wanted me to go in and get the growth. Did I say this already? That we you did not. I was going to gonna jump in and okay. say it, but you didn't. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, Let it's okay. <laughs> so I think it was like at 38-ish weeks, they want, or maybe it was 39, they wanted me to go in and do that, you know, late-term growth ultrasound. And at first, I was like, okay, I, it's fine because we're not going to make a decision based on that. It's just a piece of information to have. But then I talked, you know, I, I like went home and I was like praying about it. I talked it through with like Julie and my husband and everybody. And and then I was like, you know what? I don't feel good about it anymore. It It's just going to be the point of no return. And so I called and canceled it. Yes. And I was really scared to do that. Yeah, I was so proud of you. <laughs> so I did. And I'm so glad that I did because they they just were assuming that, I mean, I gained a lot of weight during pregnancy. <laughs> and they were assuming that the baby was going to be huge because my belly was huge and I've gained a lot of weight and they just were making assumptions. And so... And so the bit, do I, do I say here how much the baby ended up weighing or do I wait till the end? Wait till the end. Mm -hmm. It's a suspense. Okay. <laughs> All right. Stay tuned, people. <laughs> okay. So he's telling me he's recommending a repeat C-section. And, you know, I, at this point, I'm really trying to figure out, am I pushing for something that's not possible? Am I, I mean, we're, we've gone to the best of the best. He knows what he's talking about. He's very positive about VBACs, and he is telling me repeat C-section. And we've gone to him to, for his knowledge and his advice, and <laughs> I need to listen to him. So I, you know, I asked him what my options are, and he said if I still wanted to try for the VBAC, that we could do the Pitocin and try for it. But he was very pretty positive that it would be a long labor that would end in a C-section. And I said, okay, well, I need to go home and think about it. And so we went home and we were praying like crazy. I actually, I had my dad come over and give us those blessings, which in our religion is just a special prayer, basically, to help us have more clarity and make the right decision. Mm -hmm. And then me and my husband went into separate rooms and we each were kind of praying on our own to try to kind of get inspiration on the situation and I felt like I got my answer pretty quickly but he wasn't ready to talk about it until the next morning and when we when we talked about it in the morning he said that he felt he felt okay with me trying for the VBAC if that's what I wanted to do and that is the same feeling that I got that I that this truly was the right path for me to continue to try for the VBAC. So I called Dr. Silver and I was so nervous mm -hmm. to make that phone call to him. <laughs> and I don't know if he's a religious person or not, but I told him that we prayed about it and that we still felt like the VBAC was the right choice. And at that point in time, I feel like this is where Dr. Silver kind of sets himself apart because instead of like putting more fear into me or throwing out numbers at me, he just said, okay, then we'll do everything we can to make it happen for you. And I think and that I, I just want to like highlight that right now because, 
I think you're right. Like that is something that sets him apart as it really VBAC supportive and just supportive of of women's choices and their body autonomy is because he advised you and then you decided against his advice. And then he said, okay, I'll do everything I can to help you with your decision. Mm -hmm. And I think that that it really is, you know, a standout provider. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, I had the information, the statistics, you know, all the facts that I needed, but in the end, really allowed me to listen to my own intuition and I feel like through this whole process I really honed in on that skill of listening to my intuition so so then he told me to come in that day and let's get started so we head to the hospital and at this point people I am 10 days overdue (laughs) and everybody around me like all my friends were like how are you waiting this long Mm -hmm. and in my mind I'm thinking well, I've already waited, you know, through four pregnancies to try to make this happen. What's another couple of days? Yeah. <laughs> At the end of this, even though I was miserable and I wanted it to be done. So we go there and they put me in this room that was so small. It was like a janitor's closet and it had no windows and it was so tiny, but I, I remember you texted was, me. You said, okay, we're in our room. It has no window and no tub. And I was like, oh, no tub. Yeah. <laughs> and, so, um, so, but I was excited to be there. It was fine. It's like, whatever, you know, let's do this in the hall. If we have to. <laughs> so they get, they get, um, they get me ready for the Pitocin and they checked me again. I'm still fully closed like not dilated at all. And again, I want to point this out because I think a lot of providers at this point would not even try this if I'm not showing any dilation at all. But he was willing to let me try. So so I started the Pitocin at about 3.30 p.m. And then we just did it really low and slow for like overnight. They were going to leave me at that overnight um, to try to help me dilate a little bit. So then, you know, uh, like around two in the morning, I finally was dilated like a half a centimeter, which was like nothing. <laughs> but it was enough for them to get the Foley bulb inserted, which, do we need to explain what that is? No. A Foley bulb? We can if you want. It's a catheter that goes into the cervix and they inflate it and it puts pressure on the, on the cervix, causing it to manually dilate. Yep. Mm-hmm. Good. Okay. You did that better than I did. <laughs> <laughs> Good job, Megan. <laughs> so, now, through this process, I actually had, like, three different panic attacks. And I get anxiety under the best of circumstances, but with all of this happening and being in the small room and getting claustrophobic, I just, I had, some, like, three different times that I, like, really panicked. So, a, a about that time that they put that in, I kind of freaked out because it was, you know, a little uncomfortable and it's just a lot going on. But they helped me calm down. And then it took until about 11 the next day. So now I'm 11 days overdue, 11 in the morning. And I finally was dilated to a three and a half and 80% of face. Yes. And they were able to take the fully bulb out. And I actually broke down and started crying. (laughs) (laughs) Because, and I wasn't expecting that, but I just, 
it was like the first sign of real progress and I was like emotional about it. And then they wanted to break my water, but I wasn't ready. I don't know why. I just felt like, no, let's not do that yet. And so I pushed them off two different times. Mm-hmm. And then finally, uh, later on, you know, I, I, I think it was like four hours after that, I let them do it. But before that, Julie came and helped me like move around and we were dancing, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get the baby to move. We were dancing like yeah. breakup songs and high school jams. <laughs> that was fun. Yes. And I am 36, so I am a geriatric pregnancy so when i say we went old school with the music i mean old school it was like salt and pepper oh push it (laughs) what was the song that i sent you um i got i got where yeah (laughs) i was listening to this and i was like please send this to shannon (laughs) (laughs) we did listen to that one yep that was fun we were Uh, we were moving and grooving just like uncoordinated white girls I, I speak for yourself. I was looking pretty good. You, yeah, you were jamming in that hospital gown and monitors and all that. <laughs> we were getting the. Okay, so we did lots of work, like the abdominal lifts and all mm-hmm. the stuff. And I just, my cervix wasn't changing. So they finally broke the water, which is such a weird feeling. It's like a mm-hmm. swimming pool gushing out of you. I was like, not, I don't know how you prepare yourself for that, but I wasn't prepared for that feeling. And the baby did engage right away, but I I still was not dilating. And I stayed at a four forever. It just felt like forever and ever and ever. So then later that night at like, let's see, so now we're at 730 on 11 days overdue. <laughs> And I finally asked for the epidural because at that point I'm like well over 24 hours into this process and having these crazy contractions with the Pitocin and it just got really intense all of a sudden and I couldn't handle it anymore. So, and that was another point of anxiety attack. And then we got the epidural and I was able to calm down a little bit. Let's see. So then, but again, even with that, I stayed at a four for so long and then at about let's see so about 1 15 in the morning so now we're on day 12 12 days past my due date yeah you were to four and for almost 24 hours i think was is that like, yeah it, it and was, when she says a long time she's not talking about like three or four hours she's talking like oh, like a day yeah and and i was doing all this work to i'd done everything to try to get the baby to help me you know dilate and everything and just it it just wasn't working. And so around that time, like one fifteen, and this, and somewhere around here, Julie had left to get a little bit of rest. And so she keeps saying sorry that she wasn't there when I had, I had a massive panic attack during the time. I feel so bad. But I like, oh. nothing you could have done would have prevented this. It's just <laughs> the small room. Oh, we did move to a different room with a tub, but it was still like, it was actually smaller than the previous room. So it had a tub, but it was even smaller and still no windows. And I had been in there for so long. I hadn't seen the outside world <laughs> since two days before. And it was just so long and I couldn't take it anymore. And, you know, once you have that epidural, you can't get up and move. And so that was part of it too. 
And I, I freaked out and I called the doctor and I called the nurse in and I was telling them, I'm like, I am having a panic attack. I am freaking out. I don't know what to do. And you should just go do the C-section right now. Mm. <laughs> and they, they helped me calm down and talk it through. And they said, you know, I, I asked them, like, what is my timeline? Like, at what point do we have to go do the C-section? And they said, we have about eight more hours. If you show progress in eight hours, then we can keep going. But if you don't, then we'll have to do the C-section. And so at that point, with this third massive panic attack and, you know, not progressing, I finally, like, mentally kind of let go. And I was like, I was just so tired and I just needed it to end. And I was like, okay, you know what? If I don't show any progress, I'm okay with going in for the C-section. And I kind of made peace with it. And I would have totally been fine if that's what happened because I, well, I had tried. You'd so worked hard. so hard up until that point, for yeah. sure. And so I asked them to give me a sleeping pill because I just needed to rest, and so I did. And then I woke up, um, let's see, like four hours later, and I was dilated to an eight. Mm-hmm. After being stuck <laughs> at a floor for so long, I was like, "What?" And so then we called Julie to come back in. She came right in, and it wasn't very much longer after that that I was like fully dilated, and it was so painful. I was like, "What is happening?" And Julie was telling me I was going through transition, and my body was trying to start pushing, and I was like, "Ah, this just hurts so bad." Even with the epidural, so mm-hmm. I do not know how people do it without the epidural. <laughs> they had it on a little bit of a lower dose for you too. I think that I actually have a friend that is is it what, what do you call him an anesthesiologist mm-hmm. that he was telling me that if they started me when I was at a four that it would have been a lower dose. So yeah. we'll go with that. But I mean not as high of an epidural. <laughs> Anyways, so then they come in and they tell me to start pushing and this is like seven in the morning now and I had waited for that moment for so long like so many years so many pregnancies and when they finally told me that I could start pushing you better believe I was pushing like my life depended on it Mm, you were so good you were (laughs) such a good pusher (laughs) I was who knew um so they were still suspecting that this baby was going to be big and so they mentioned to me the shoulder dystocia thing and that the baby could get stuck. And they said if that happens, that someone would jump up on the table on top of me and start pushing on my stomach to help the baby get low enough to move past my pelvis. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what? And I'm trying to listen to them and make these decisions in the middle of like the worst pain ever <laughs> and trying to push through the contractions every time they kept like crashing over me. But I still felt like it sounded like a better idea than an emergency C-section. So we kept going. And then the baby's heart rate started to dip when I would push. And so they were getting a little concerned and they wanted to get her out quickly. So they said that we could do this with forceps because I was pushing so well. They said normally they wouldn't even consider forceps. And and then, you know, again, they're telling me all the risks involved with that in the middle of pushing. 
And so <laughs> I'm looking around at everybody, like my husband, like, do we do this? I don't know. So then we decided to, to do it to say it's okay. So with the forceps, about 20 minutes later at 8 in the morning, finally the baby was born. 41 hours after oh. uh, they started Pitocin. 41 hours. <laughs> 41 hours. So they put the baby on me, but then they took her away really quick. And I expected, like, right away to feel overjoyed and everything. But I was just in total shock. Like, what the crap just happened? <laughs> and and they took the baby away because she wasn't crying yet. They had to, like, do all the stuff they do. And then they brought her back to me. And then when I was able to hold it longer, then I finally, you know, the emotion kind of sunk in and I just burst into like the best, like beautiful, ugly cry you've ever seen. Yes, it was. <laughs> so amazing. I think, I think that's the picture you posted on yep. the Facebook group. It's like, you know, quadruple chins happening. Oh, but... stop. Nobody even <laughs> notices that. <laughs> it was. It was amazing, oh, though, and yeah. I finally, I finally got that that moment, and I had to fight for it, and I had to really listen to myself. But we did it. We got the baby here, and she's healthy, and everything's good. So amazing! And tell everyone how big she was. Oh right, she was seven pounds fourteen ounces. Mm-hmm. The perfect size, big so, baby. <laughs> the perfect size, <laughs> and that was. so good. I I remember when one of the things I really admired about the University of Utah staff is they explained everything to you. They Mm -hmm. literally like it was true informed consent. You chose when your water was broken. They asked you like three times, two or three times. And you said, Mm -hmm. no, I'm not ready. No, I'm not ready. And they said, okay, we'll check again at the next cervical check. And then four hours later, Mm -hmm. they would do a cervical check and ask you again. And you said, well, I'm still not ready yet. And, And then you decided, okay, now it's time to break my water mm-hmm. and and I really love that it was so amazing you were and the same thing with the four-step delivery you know they're like they wanted mm-hmm. to explain everything to you before it got to the point where they would have to use mm-hmm. the forceps because they still weren't quite sure if they would need them or not but they wanted to make sure that you were informed before it got mm-hmm. to that choice and I remember it was so yeah. cute Oh, two cute things first of all when the doctor said okay well she's low enough that we're definitely going to be able to get her out with forceps if we have to and c-section is not even an option right now and i remember you do you want to say it do you want to say what you did tell them tell them of course like everyone can probably guess i burst into tears again she just burst into tears because she was just being told she would not have to have a c-section like that was the for sure moment i I actually reached out and asked the doctor if i could hold his hand and i was crying miss not a crier i was just bawling everyone was bawling And then I remember after the delivery, the nurse was like, okay, well, we're going to wait a little bit to get you some solid food, but um, what we would like you to have something. So do you want, like, um, we can bring you Jello. Do you want orange Jello or cherry Jello? And you just looked no, at her and you're like, juice. oh, juice. Yeah. She's like, do orange juice or apple juice? And she's like, 
And you said, I don't want to make a single other decision. I don't even care. Just yeah. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. I don't, I couldn't even, I don't, she gave me four options. It was oh. like, it like literally made my brain explode. I'm like, <laughs> I just pick something and bring it to me. And it was so funny. It was funny, but it was like such a testament to like, you were literally in control the whole way. Your whole pregnancy, you oh denied gosh. the girl scan. The doctor said, oh, you only have 10 to 15% chance of having a successful VBAC. And you said, I, I don't care. I'm going to do it anyways. You know, there's a lot more yeah. to, to it than that. But like you were, you were in charge. It and, was a lot. There yeah. was a lot and changing, changing providers. Yep. And I'm, I yeah. mean, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of like lived through this, like via text. Vicariously. Yeah. <laughs> um, because Julie was updating me and yeah, like just so many things, so many of the choices that you made led you down this path to this baby being birthed via vagina. Via, <laughs> via vagina. Via vagina. Via vagina. <laughs> and um, I'm just so proud of you. I'm so proud of you because, oh, yeah, you. a lot of the stuff that you went through was very emotional, very hard, very very daunting when you've got this provider who, like you said, is he's worldwide known to be supportive. And then he's sitting yeah. here saying, mm, actually, I think we should schedule a cesarean. So, yeah, yeah. It, it really took it took guts to to do what you did. And just congratulations on following your mama heart oh, and, and rocking you. that back. You're amazing. Do you want thank to tell you. them what Dr. Silver did after the birth? I was just going to say, okay. so Dr. Silver was, you know, checked in on me several times, but he wasn't actually there when the baby came out. It was other people, resident. the staff. Mm -hmm. So he called me after I was in the recovery room and he said, you know, I'm so happy that I was wrong. And you, you, <laughs> it was so funny. He said, you must feel like a badass right now. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> He's Thank such a great guy. <laughs> so I thought that was really nice that he reached out afterwards to just say, like, I'm yeah. glad I was wrong. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It just kind of goes to show also the type of provider he is because a lot of providers mm -hmm. would kind of scoff that off, you know, like. They'd say, oh, you got lucky. Yeah, or yeah. <laughs> oh, it was, yeah, yeah. So um, mm -hmm. I'm glad that he recognized that and said, I'm so glad that I was wrong. And congratulations. And you should feel like a badass because you are. Totally <laughs> um, I am so excited. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing with us. Seriously, yeah, it's inspiring. Your picture is just, I mean, it gives, I get tingles in my nose when I get emotional and it gives me the tingles. <laughs> I see so it right that's now. What I, that's what I talk about, you know, is the tingles. It just, it gives me the tingles, makes me emotional. And I wish I could have just been a fly on the wall that day to witness this oh, in person amazing. because you are amazing. So we know you're going to inspire so many women out there. And if anybody is wanting to kind of get some more information on some things that we have to offer, you can check out our blog. We have seven surprising studies on VBAC after multiple C-section. And these these really are a lot of surprising things that a lot of people are like, whoa, I didn't know that. So head over to our blog today. It's at thevbacklink.com slash blog. Or you can scroll down in your show notes and we will have that attached right there as well. Give it a read. Let us know what you think about it. And Women of Strength, 
follow your hearts. Follow your hearts. It's not going to lead you astray. And congratulations again, Shannon. Thank you. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the vbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.